Chapter 13, The Aftermath. Daybreak and the storm had passed, but the sounds of water were everywhere. The air was filled with the dripping sounds of mountain runoff and the sloshing sounds of flooded streams. And then came a very different sound. It was the clanging sound made when a robot slips on a wet rock. There were quite a few clangs that morning. As Roz worked her way downhill, she scanned the aftermath of the storm. Giant mounds of mud and debris had formed below the cliffs. The island's central river had crested its bank and spilled into the nearby fields and forests. Some trees had been uprooted. Others were submerged, their upper branches barely poking above the floodwaters, their lower branches swarming with fish instead of birds. After such a storm, you might expect to see animal corpses scattered along the devastation, but the animals seemed to have survived just fine. Somehow they had known the storm was coming, and they had found shelter long before it rolled in. Lowland creatures who had sought refuge on higher ground were waiting patiently for the water to recede. Deer were wading through the flooded fields. Beavers were busily collecting a trove of fallen branches. Geese honked in the sky before splashing down into a watery section of the forest. Clearly, the animals were experts at survival. Clearly, the robot was not. Roz was crusted with mud and grit, so she gave herself another good cleaning, but that only revealed her dents and scratches. They were really starting to add up, and she hardly resembled the perfect robot who had appeared on the shore just a week earlier. The wilderness was taking a toll on poor Roz, so she felt something like relief when she spotted the quiet hole in the side of the mountain. It looked like a safe place for a robot. She stomped across the hillside and up to the cave, but never stopped to wonder what might be lurking within. Chapter 14, The Bears. Roz stomped into the cave, and then she stomped right back out. Please stay away, the robot said to the two bears, who were now nipping at her heels. You see, when Roz stomped into the cave, she accidentally woke a brother and sister bear from their morning nap, which is never a good idea. And to make matters worse, bears have an instinct that drives them to attack when a creature runs away, especially if the creature is running away is a mysterious sparkling monster. So as the startled bears watched Roz stomping out of their cave, they really had no choice at all. They simply had to take up the chase. Roz tried her best to outrun the bears. She leaped over rocks and wove through trees and stomped across the mountainside at full speed. But the bears were so young and strong and fast that the robot still had so much to learn about moving through the wilderness. She never even saw the tree root. One moment she was stomping along and the next moment she was flying through the air and thumping down onto a rotten log. Clumps of soft wood stuck to her side as she stood and faced her attackers. Wouldn't you be afraid if two bears were charging toward you? Of course you would. Everyone would. Even the robot felt something like fear. Roz was programmed to take care of herself. She was programmed to stay alive. And as the robot watched those bears charging toward her, she knew her life was in serious danger. The bear slammed into Roz, knocking her against the trunk of a towering tree. Then one bear dove at her legs and the other clawed at her chest. If only the robot had swung her fists or kicked her feet, she could have scared them off. One good bop on the nose would have sent them running, but the robot's programming would not allow her to be violent. Clearly, Roz was not designed to fight bears. Powerful jaws chomped her arms, 
Sharp claws slashed her face. A massive head rammed her chest. Please stay away, said the robot. Rawr, said the sister bear. Rawr, said the brother bear. And then the bears went in for the kill. But the robot had vanished. Chapter 15, The Escape. Using all the strength in her legs, Roz jumped straight up, high into the air and landed on a tree branch overhead. The tree shook with a sudden weight of the robot and then thunk, thunk, two pine cones bounced off Roz. And a moment later, thunk, thunk, the same pine cones bounced off the bears below. The bears grunted with annoyance. This gave Roz an idea. The robot's programming stopped her from being violent, but nothing stopped her from being annoying. So Roz plucked pine cones from a nearby branch and lobbed them down at the bears. Thunk, 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 thunk. Each pine cone bounced off its target with annoying accuracy and whipped the young bears into a frenzy. Rawr, said the sister bear. Grrr, said the brother bear. I don't understand you bears, said the robot. Roz was about to unload a whole armful of annoying pine cones when a distant roar echoed through the forest. Back at the cave, the mother bear was calling for these two, and she did not sound happy. The young bears looked at each other. They knew they were in trouble. But before lumbering home, they glared up at Roz and snorted one last time. More than anything, they wanted to kill the robot. Chapter 16, The Pine Tree Roz was in no hurry to leave the tree. She stayed on her branch long after the bears had gone, enjoying some peace and looking herself over. In addition to bite marks and claw marks, the robot was also covered in dirt, which of course meant it was time for another cleaning. She was making good progress when she felt something sticky on her arm. The problem with sitting in a pine tree is that eventually its tree sticky resin will find you. It always does and it found Roz. The robot scrubbed and scraped at the resin, and soon her fingers were completely coated in the sticky, stu sticky stuff. Then it was all over her arms, and her legs and her torso, and things were about to get even messier. A robin swooped into the tree and began screeching and fluttering around Roz. The bird had recently finished building herself a new nest. It was a little work of art, a delicate basket woven from grass and twigs and feathers and it was right above the robot's head. Screech, screech, said the robot. I do not understand you, Robin, said the robot. The robin continued screeching and fluttering and then splat, she splattered her droppings across the robot's face. This bird was serious. So Roz scooted away farther out onto the branch until she heard a quick, sharp crack. Before Roz knew what was happening, the tree branch snapped under her weight and she went crashing to the forest floor. She hit the ground hard and lay there as broken branches and pine cones and needles showered down on top of her. There was another splat and then quiet returned to the forest. Chapter 17, The Camouflaged Insect. Roz was a mess. She lay under the tree covered in a heap of broken branches and pine cones and needles. She still hadn't removed the sticky resin from her body. And then there were the bird droppings. She was about to get up and give herself a rigorous cleaning when she noticed a peculiar twig. The twig was moving. It was crawling along one of the broken branches on the ground. With a gentle touch, the robot picked up the twig. 
Hello, stick insect. My name is Roz. You are very well camouflaged. The sticks, that stick insect's body was long and thin. He had the same shape and colors and markings as a real twig. But if you look closely, you just might see two tiny eyes and two spindly antenna. The insect didn't make a sound and he sat perfectly still. As still as the robot. The two of them sat still and silently stared at each other for a while. Thank you, stick insect, said Roz as she placed him back where she found him. You have taught me an important lesson. I can see how camouflage helps you survive. Perhaps it could help me survive also. Chapter 18, The Camouflaged Robot. As you know, reader, Roz had always liked to keep herself as clean as possible, but her desire to stay alive was stronger than her desire to stay clean, and our robot decided it was time she got dirty. Roz was going to camouflage herself. She got the idea from the stick insect, but Roz quickly realized that camouflaging herself as a twig was out of the question. No, the robot would have to blend into the landscape itself. She began by smearing handfuls of thick mud over her entire body. Then she plucked ferns and grasses from the ground and sank their roots into her newly muddied coat. She placed colorful flowers around her face to disguise her glowing eyes, and any bare patches were covered with tree leaves and strips of moss. Our new robot, our robot looked now like a great tuft of plants walking through the forest. She waited for darkness and then she padded to the center of a clearing, nestled herself between some rocks and became part of the landscape. A few hours later, the sky was brightening, the fog was lifting, the nighttime animals were slinking home and the daytime animals were beginning to stir. It was just an ordinary morning on the island. However, there was that new tuft of plants in that one forest clearing. Only the bees had noticed the tuft. They buzzed around it, completely unaware that the robot was hidden beneath. And so Roz sat there, right in the open, yet completely unseen, and observed the wilderness around her. She watched flowers slowly turn toward the sun. She listened to rodents crawling through the weeds. She smelled the moist, piney air. She felt worms wiggle against her muddy sides. A week later, the tuft of plants was gone, but there was a new clump of seaweed on the shore. A week after that, the clump of seaweed was gone, but there was a new bramble on the mountain. Then there was a new log on the riverbank, then a new rock in the forest.